This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? I'm excellent. We are coming to you today from the Equity Mates studios here in Sydney as we gear up for FinFest this weekend, which somewhat anticlimactically will have already happened by the time you're listening to this. But uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Um, and as you know, we love having guests on our podcast, uh, and we're lucky enough today to be joined by none other than the CEO of Equity Mates, Alec Renahan. Ren, welcome. Uh, thanks, boys. Great to be here. Don't tell Bryce that you called me the CEO. <laughs> he likes to claim that title. Um, but it's great to be here. I'm a big fan, and I feel like I get a front row seat to just watch you guys work. Uh, this is, yeah, <laughs> sit back and watch the magic. Yes. Uh, you're in for a treat. Um, this, is actually, this is actually the first time that we've ever recorded live, Ren, but it's also actually the first time Thomas and I have ever recorded in the same room wow. together. So we're normally on other sides of the country. So yeah. um, it's exciting. You're nothing what I thought you'd look like from the sound <laughs> of your voice. <laughs> yeah, are you guys as funny when you're in the same state? That's the question. All I had were those pictures of you from, from when you were 12. Yeah. Uh, all right, big show coming up. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at what's going on with Aussie house prices. Uh, are the early COVID predictions of a 30% drop finally coming true? Uh, we're going to be chatting some stonks with Ren and seeing what company results can tell us about the big picture. And a pub in Ireland is battling the energy crisis by offering a 20% chill count. Uh, I think they tried to make a clever play on the word discount there. I think if we're just making up words, I would have gone with that count because all you need to know is it's 20% off. It doesn't matter if it's discount or that count. But first, fears the Bank of England could be losing customers, which is pretty bad because it only has four. <laughs> Thomas, what's going on at the Bank of England? <laughs> Where are the Bank of England's customers? England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Oh, clever. Clever, right. So they're really, they're really, did really running fine margins when it comes to customers. Yeah. And they, yeah. Haven't, they haven't gained any new customers in years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to work on their customer acquisition. Yeah, customer acquisition costs gone up a lot since <laughs> we went off colonialism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is another one of these cases where we take two weeks off and things go to poo. The world exploded. <laughs> yeah, you guys missed a big two weeks. Yeah, yeah. a big two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the financial system almost collapsed. Is sort of how how the Economist magazine was sort of sort of saying. It's it's. I mean, it's interesting. They're saying the, it's a high stakes game of financial stability chicken that right. the Bank of England's playing. 
So, like, there's a lot of pieces of this puzzle and it's kind of hard to sort of know where to start. So, but basically the pension funds really got into trouble. The Bank of England had to step in and bail them out. Mm. As we speak, they're still bailing them out, but Governor Bailey has announced that they're not going to, they're going to stop bailing them out tomorrow, <laughs> I think. That's a mouthful in itself. Governor Bailey's doing the bailout. Like, <laughs> tough um why why are the bank of england bailing them out like why can't what happens if the pension funds go under oh well yeah no that's that's not good that's the financial crisis we're Mm. trying to avoid yeah what happens if your superannuation fund goes under yeah could be back in the black at least (laughs) (laughs) i've got to say though the whole financial system almost collapsed i feel like we've lived through like four almost collapses in the last decade jfc almost collapsed covid probably almost collapsed uh, China, remember last yeah, year, the yeah, property yeah. market, yeah. was there a contagion there? was going to almost collapse. I don't it's think like that, a yearly that, occurrence now. Yeah, that story yeah. hasn't even finished, has it? The, the no. China story. No. It's still going. Yeah. There's always something. I mean, my, my entire career as an economist, there's always been something happens and it's sort of like and then you sort of navigate around it and things are okay and then the, the next crisis hits and but we live in like a, a highly leveraged financial system mm. which means that it's risky and, and stuff goes wrong plenty for us to talk about i guess yeah yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a great time to be running a macroeconomics podcast yeah. it's fair to say. <laughs> um yeah. so so what, what was happening with the pensions the the hedging operations didn't quite go as well as they planned so let's just step back a bit like right. so the context here is that through covid we had quantitative easing where the bank of England printing money and pumping into this into the system the mechanism for that is that they're they're buying bonds from the government the government gives them bonds the bank of england gives them cash the cash goes into the system and that's how you print money they then announced that as inflation got out of control that they were going to go to quantitative tightening so that that means the reverse so rather than buying the bonds they're going to be selling the bonds mm. and at this point, the the bond market sort of go is, is on high alert because like we haven't ever successfully navigated quantitative tightening really. Like you remember, like the taper tantrum in 2013-14 was about when the Fed was going to scale back its bond purchases, mm. Mm. so so like just dial back quantitative easing a little, and markets freaked out. We're now talking about quantitative tightening, and so bond markets are on edge. So that so that's going on. That's the context. The British government then comes in and says, we're going to cut taxes and we're going to increase spending and we're going to take on £65 billion of debt and we've got no real plan to fund it (laughs) other than (laughs) selling bonds. So so the bond market's like looking at the Bank of England's going, oh, they're going to start selling bonds. How's this going to go? And then from the sidelines, the government comes in and goes, oh, we're going to sell a crap load of bonds too. So there's just one guy inside the Bank of England just buying and selling his own bonds. (laughs) Like he's just like, he's on one computer like sell, sell, and then moves to the next one like buy, buy. (laughs) Well... Yeah, well, that, that, was, that was the thing about, like, why the, the, the government's plan seemed a little ridiculous is because the, the Bank of England was trying to tighten yeah. and then they got a policy which asked them to sort of buy bonds. or Well, not, not necessarily the Bank of England had to, had to buy the bonds the government was selling, but they're, they're, the government was selling bonds into a market that was already worried if there's too much selling pressure, which pushed down, pushes down prices, pushes up yields. Mm. So that's happening. So that sort of created, a, and then the, the pound collapsed and all that stuff we talked about that last time. And then you've got the pension funds and the pension funds have been worried about the low interest rate environment. So they've got these liabilities coming up. So long, long down the future, they've got all the pensions that they've got to pay. So they have these long, long duration liabilities mm. that they're sitting on, but they're in a low interest rate world. And so, they're, so they're, they've been worried, how do, we, how do we come up with the money to, to cover our liabilities? 
And one of the things they did is they then hedged against those long-term liabilities and they set up these liability-driven investments which did that through, through guilt, through, through the government bonds. But then they did that in a, in a really leveraged way. So they would buy the bonds like they'd have $100, buy $100 worth of bonds, they'd have the bond, they'd then take it to another party, like take it to you and mm. go like, can I give you this bond? And I promise, it's a repo, so I promise to buy it back later. You go, you're sure, here's $100. They then took that $100 and then bought another bond. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. And then did the same, then repoed it, Sounds got like the cash. Sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, what? <laughs> little bit, little bit, little bit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so this is what's been, what, what they're sort of realizing, and so the, and that's how they they were hedging their their long term liabilities by leveraging bonds in the here and now. Right. But then the bond prices like blew out of the water when the when the the government stepped in. The pension funds set up these LDIs, the liability driven organisations, to and their sole function. They're worth something like two trillion pounds. So it's a big industry mm. but their sole function is to manage this hedging through and so they had one job <laughs> so their holdings they're the values of the bonds that they held which were highly leveraged yeah. halved in four days right wow with this blowout yeah and and because they're leveraged they're on margin calls so the people that they've repoed to are like oh you need to come up with more cash because you're now you, mm. you're, you're over leveraged. And so they've got to sell into a market that's collapsing. Yeah, right. And so that created this, this dynamic and the, what the Bank of England called it, um, a, self, a self-reinforcing fire sale dynamic in the bond market. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because they, they had to sell at discounted prices and then that created more selling more pressure, selling. which dropped prices more. Yeah. Right. right. I, th- yep. If there's one player in the financial system I don't want doing these things, it's my retirement fund. Yeah. H- how yeah. are they the only ones doing this? This is the thing, like, is the, they talk about the hedging, like, did the hedging work? The mm. hedging worked because the liabil- their long-term liability shifted as interest rates went up. So that their, their problem in the long run disappeared because interest rates were going up. So, but because it, it's assets matching liabilities, so as their liabilities fell, their assets fell in the short term as well. So right. the hedging worked. Mathematically, the hedging worked. Okay. Oh, man, of course it did. Yeah, there yeah. just be these economists in the, in the game, I'm telling you, it worked. Yeah, like, exactly it as we planned. <laughs> Why is the government giving us three days to fix it then if it worked? Their net position was okay over yeah. the long run, but their short-term position, their gross leverage in the short run was a total mess. And right. so, like, the hedging did what it was supposed to do, but gross leverage was what mattered, not net leverage, and that's where they got into trouble. And that's where, and that's what Gerard Minak was saying is, is saying like, this is actually kind of scary because like a lot of people who thought they were covered yeah. now realise they're actually massively exposed. Mm. So is it is it fixed now? Like, is the financial system okay? Or where are we, where are we at right now? So this is Friday, the fourteenth of October. Yeah. Uh, like a couple of days ago, the Bank of England, they said they pulled an all-nighter. They pulled two all-nighters in a row to try to come up with a plan. What are they, like a startup? Yeah. <laughs> They'll be telling them when we finally grow into a proper bank, we'll be, we'll be looking back on this time where we pulled all the staff together and pulled an all-nighter. That's right, they just bought in some pizzas. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they but then they they pulled two all nighters in a row, and then all they could come up with is like maybe we just need to buy some bonds, right? And so they started buying bonds, which is 
probably the fairly obvious solution. Mm. But they've been buying five billion a day wow. worth of bonds. So like not it's not pocket change. Yeah. I've been mean, doing that for three days and that seemed to settle the market, but then Governor Bailey saying we're out. Like you've got three days, saying to the pension funds, you've got three days to tidy house mm. and then we're out. We're not buying anymore. So you need to sort this out. And so everyone's like, oh, what happens when those three days end? Like, well, and then there's conflicting reports because like his head staff are briefing government ministers say, no, no, we're going to keep going. Mm. And can't, can't, they just, can't the pension funds just call the bluff anyway? Just go, well, well what are you going to do if we don't? If we don't fix it in three days. Well, you but you bailed us out last time. Because you, you can't afford uh, yeah. you can't, can't afford, afford us to go under, mm. yeah. so maybe we just won't. Yeah, and and your problem, <laughs> <laughs> your your move, government. <laughs> Could be time for another all nighter. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is the the hard spot that he's in. That it's it's a moral hazard dynamic that gets created if you just keep bailing them out whenever they poorly managed leverage. Yeah. And to be fair, like I think like they were doing industry best practice of how you should. Hedge your liabilities. <laughs> the industry, the industry needs to lift that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is it is today the day? Friday is the final of the three days. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, it might be time so zone. Time zone adjusted. Time zone, so yeah, probably, yeah, probably yeah, looking yeah. Tonight, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. by the time this is released on Monday, mm, mm. well, well, no, we go England, out Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, this is out on Wednesday. Yeah. England, England yeah, might not have yeah. an economy anymore. Yeah. Oh, if, Eng- if England is on fire when you're listening to this, then yeah. it didn't go well. Didn't go well. Yeah, but uh, sure, surely it's like you're so far down the garden path, you're buying $5 billion worth of bonds a day, you keep buying. Yeah, but, but I mean this is also the other thing is they're trying to tighten. So you've got, you've got inflation running at 10%. <laughs> You've, you've promised the market that you're going to tighten. You promised that you weren't going to be buying bonds. Yeah. But now you're being forced to buy bonds while you're still – trying to maintain a commitment to selling bonds to try to bring down inflation and raise interest rates. And is this all because of the tax cut policy? I think probably you look at that tax cut policy, like it was reasonably big and it, was, it, did, it did require a lot of debt, which required selling bonds. So that, that, was, the, that was the sort of the shift that, that threw markets. So they thought the government was going to try and bring down debt. The government turned around and said, no, nah, we're, we're going to massively increase debt. We're going to have to sell a lot more bonds. And the market went, okay, wasn't ready for that. Didn't think that was going to come. And that's what, that's what threw everything into a tailspin. So I feel like then maybe Liz Truss wins the award for worst start to a prime ministership <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it would be hard-pressed to come up with a, yeah. the worst start. Worst start and possibly also winning shortest term. Yes, I, yes. I feel like that, that's on the cards as well. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Quasi Kwarteng, the, the Chancellor, came out and said, acknowledged that it had caused a little turbulence. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, Liz Truss is now, like, she campaigned for the, the leadership saying, to promising to fight Treasury orthodoxy and the department's abacus economics. So I guess abacus economics is where things actually add up. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Nah. She's fighting it. Fighting She's it. <laughs> yeah. It's a new world order, baby. <laughs> We're not adding anything up anymore. All right, so is Liz Truss and the government changing tack now or what? They were planning to cut the tax, uh, marginal tax rate. That now, that's now off the table. Right. But everything else is still on there. I mean, the interesting thing is they took that, they didn't get the, the office of... <laughs> Hang on, the tax cuts policy they've revised now to not include tax cuts. Yep. Brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, there's other. There's it's just a it's well, back the, to the, just being called a policy now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were doing. They were also uh, ending the cap on banker bonuses yeah, yeah, yeah. because right. if there's one thing that yeah. we really need, <laughs> yeah. it's our bankers to get bigger bonuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that, that's still in there, long. I guess. That's. I think that's still there. Yet yeah, the cut to the basic tax rates there. Um, oh, right. the, the interesting thing is that so that he like Kwasi Kwarteng announced this without any detail. So it was like a. It was like a budget without any of the numbers. It was just like, this is the headlines. This is what we're going to do without the numbers. And everyone's like, where are the numbers? Sounds like, like a press release. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a press release. It was a press release. He <laughs> wasn't holding an abacus at the no. time. It was like, we're, we're not using this right now. Yeah, yeah. and everyone's like, well, where's the numbers? He's like, oh, I'm going to give them to you in, a, in late November. Everyone's like, and, and then the markets collapsed. And like, everyone's like, you should probably bring that forward. <laughs> so, so he's brought it forward to October 31st. Which, if you're looking for an announcement that's not going to spook markets, mm. Halloween probably isn't <laughs> the, the date you want to be launching that. <laughs> right, Thomas, house prices. Uh, can Ren buy a house yet? Oof, not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> oh, come on. Hang tough, hang tough. Maybe once you become actual CEO. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Bryce is pretty settled there. It could be a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so the RBA hiked rates another 25 bips in October. Mm. Um, that was against expectations of 50. So it does suggest that maybe we're coming to the end of the hiking cycle, a l- perhaps a little earlier. But we have had the most aggressive hike cycle since 1994. We've got 200, 250 bips in six months. So that's fast and aggressive. Yeah, so now the cash rate 2.6 higher since July 2013. The average discount variable mortgage, mortgage rate. <laughs> average discount, discount variable mortgage rate. Hey, there we go. There you go. Uh, 5.95%. That's the highest since September 2012. I feel I get a letter. It feels like once a month now from the bank. Hey, your mortgage is going up. Uh, yes, like, you, you know the RBA meets every month. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But it just it becomes really real when the letter arrives. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. a, it's not even an email. I should sign up for email notifications. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, this is having impact. So on your average $500,000 mortgage, every 25 basis points adds $75 a month to mm. the mortgage bill. So 250 bips gives you 750 a month or 9000 a year. So every, the average household is now coming up with an extra 9000 a year on their mortgage. Wow. Which is, yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's going to have an impact. And it lowers borrowing capacity. So PropTrack came out and they reckon that the average home buyer can now borrow 21.6% less than they could pre the rate, hi- rate hikes kicking off. Yeah. So if they could buy, borrow 500000 in April, they can now borrow 392000 I thought you meant if they could buy a four-bedroom house in April, they can now only buy a three-bedroom <laughs> house. Small study. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess it translates, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, yeah, so if you look, at, if you include the deposit, then you, you get 18%. So that should give us the ceiling of how far you'd expect rate prices to fall on the back of what we've seen already in terms of rate hikes. Yeah. So you, you think house prices are going to fall 20%? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was good. I, was, I was saying, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Probably not for you two, yeah. but for me. Yeah. Why don't you shut up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So house prices are now down we got down 5.5%. They were down 1.6% in September, which is pr- pretty ch- hefty monthly fall, but we're only down 5.5% in total. That's after 25.5% on the way up. So 
it's pretty. Yeah, I was going to say it's gone, like it went up gangbusters, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just going up, like so. It's got to come off a bit. Well, it, it kind of has to come off a bit, but the property market typically tends to ratchet. So you have these big increases and then a small decrease. Ah. And because what happens is ah, that that's ratcheting. Yeah, I heard the term, never really seen it. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> this is the benefit of being live together in the studios. I can see your fist making the ratchet sort uh. of move. <laughs> Right, yeah. Which hasn't translated at all well on a podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> just Do you want to describe it the so people that, really get it? For the listeners out there, just feel rest assured that I now understand it slightly better <laughs> thanks to Thomas's fist movements. <laughs> yeah. Typically the property market ratchets and it's because people don't need to sell like when prices start to fall, most people just sort of hang on to it. They yeah. don't. They don't sell, and you don't. Prices typically don't fall unless you get four sales, and that only happens in a deep recession. Once you've got right. unemployment and people can't afford their mortgage repayments, and you get four sales, that's when you get like significant declines. So if you're going to get like a twenty percent, you're going to have to see your unemployment get quite a way higher, and. For, to get that for sale dynamic. And if you actually look at the, the, the total property listings at the moment, it's flatlining. So it should, typically around now you get this, what they call the spring selling season and listings lift because mm. it's spring and it's a good time to go to auction or whatever. But it's, at the moment it's flatlining because people are like, oh, I'm not getting the prices that I want, I'm just going to hold. Mm. The other reason that they're holding is that rents, particularly if you're looking at in, investing, rents are growing at 10% a year. Right. Vacancies are at 0.9%, which is the lowest level on record. Just crazy low. You think about 3% being a balanced market, they're at 0.9% now. So it's like super tight. There's huge rental pressure. Rental prices are growing up. So if you're, if you're a property investor, and, and it's more the investing class tends to sell first mm. because they're more leveraged and they've got a home so it's like it's just an asset whereas if you're selling the family home that's a big story so you, you <laughs> you're not panic selling your no, house no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to Anna free up some liquidity to put in the stock market yeah, yeah. yeah which is also going down <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so the, for that investing class their, their repayments are going up but rents are going up as well and so then they're not getting, they're not feeling a lot of pain yet. Mm. Mm. I am looking for a rental at the moment and I can attest it is brutal out there. Right. Yeah. 60 people lining up trying to look at an apartment. Yeah. It's not mm. how you want to spend a Saturday. Yeah. No, you got to get up, get out, get out of this studio, mate. You've- that the bed over there is looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good look for a professional the rent, company. The rent price charges me is okay though. It, it did go up ten percent. <laughs> All right, why don't we take a short break here, grab a quick word from this week's sponsors, and be back with more comedian versus economist right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. We would love it if you left us a preferably glowing review wherever you get your podcast. That would help us out enormously. Uh, but we're joined by Ren from Equity Mates Media. And uh, Ren, you've been keeping your eye, as you do, across uh, company results both here and abroad. Love to get your thoughts on on what that might tell us for the bigger picture, for the macro picture. Yeah, well, I, I feel out of my depth here. I feel Thomas can probably do a better job, but hey, I'm happy to sit in and give it a crack. Um, <laughs> Don't yeah. talk to him then, talk to me. Okay. And you, you'll, yeah, you, you'll quickly feel like an expert. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning a lot from company results, but I think what I'm taking away most of all is that the numbers aren't really matching up with the words at this stage. And in Australia, we get results every six months uh, in general. Yep. So a few companies buck that trend. Qantas reported last week as you're listening, this week as we're recording. So we'll talk about that in a sec. But if we go back to sort of August when all of the Australian companies were reporting, it really was a moment where everyone was saying things were getting bad or going to get bad, but the numbers were pretty okay. You know, and even the the sectors that were... I guess most exposed to the consumer, you know, those discretionary retailers, the first things we stop buying yeah. uh, when inflation's high, our job's at risk and money's tight, they were all doing well, you know. Uh, JB Hi-Fi reported, you know, like 4% revenue rise, 8% profit rise. They raised their dividend by 43%. Like mm. that's not the actions of a discretionary retailer when things were bad. They yeah. did warn us that things were going to get bad, but the numbers didn't really show it. Is this the war chest of savings that people have that I keep hearing about? Is that Are we still just working through that? That's probably a Thomas question yeah. more than me. Potentially. I mean, we, we were hearing a lot about that. It, I mean, there's a lot, big question about how evenly distributed it was across the population. Mm. But yeah, like I was saying, a lot of that, a lot of that war chest was concentrated in high income earners. Mm. Maybe people are flush. Yeah. But I think the, the big story was the commodity story and mining companies just had a, right. a absolute bumper reporting season. And, you know, you guys have been talking about high commodity prices and mm. that really flowed through to company results. Results, BHP, 30 billion, 31 billion US billion in profit, second largest profit ever for them, Fortescue, massive profit, you know, even all the coal companies, Whitehaven, their profit was up 450%. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like iron ore, coal, coal. Yeah, 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 oil, they all had great halves. And is that is that a war in Ukraine story? Is that like a energy yeah. crisis yeah. shock type story? Yeah, inflation, yep. all of that. Yep. Yeah. This the mining industry now accounts for more profits than the entire rest of the Australian economy. Really? Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Not not a buy hold sell recommendation. <laughs> no. But it sounds like a pretty good place to put your money. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a maybe a we should have got into the mining industry as a career recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we're sort of in this wait and see period now in Australia. We'll get uh, February next year. We'll get the first half of financial year twenty three results, and we'll mm. really see what this period we're living through now has been like. But over in the States, they never stop reporting. They report every three months. So you get a constant stream of data yeah. uh, from them. And again, what we're seeing in, and literally this week as we're recording, we started seeing Q3 results. And again, what we're seeing is a lot of talk about things being really bad, but the numbers actually being okay. And right. If we start with Pepsi, because I think Pepsi, is, it gives us a good indication again of like the consumer, what they're spending. They beat expectations on revenue. They beat expectations on profit. Revenue was up 9%, uh, which, you know, feels pretty good, mm. despite them actually selling less stuff. 
So I think Pepsi's a really good indication wow. of the inflation story. Right. Yeah, yeah. And is I, that because a lot of companies will, will blame inflation for price rises but then tack on a little extra. So they're not just covering inflation. They're kind of like, you know, inflation plus a little bit because mm. it's easy, easily justified to charge, to increase your prices. So while we're increasing, we might as well just skim some off the top. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if it was volume decline across everything, but yeah, there was a lot of volume decline, but revenue stayed strong. And that, that's yeah. an inflation story. Yeah, so, right. yeah, I don't know if they're putting on a little extra or not, they're, or they're just passing on true costs. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think that is a clear example of inflation but the the two results that i think we should really focus on because if i think about the last three months it was that airlines are terrible yeah they're losing bags they're cancelling flights worse you know on time percentage all, all of that people who traveled to europe unfortunately i wasn't one of them they had a terrible time <laughs> well i'm sure they had a great time once they got there <laughs> but the airlines amongst it all amongst all the difficulties amongst all the staffing shortages have, looks like they've knocked it out of the park. Wow. So Qantas, uh, they announced a $1.3 billion pre-tax profit for the – or they expect to post a $1.3 billion pre-tax profit for the back six months of the year, a return to profitability, and that is from a, a about a $2 billion loss last year. So a multi-billion dollar turnaround for wow. Qantas despite – Losing bags. Well, they, well, they were able to cut costs by only handling every second bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but they fired all their ground staff and then paid yeah. overs yeah, to get right. uh, more people in yeah. Uh, yeah, on short-term contracts. So Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, despite all of that, Qantas uh, is having a pretty good financial time. Presumably that, presumably also they were under the pump, though, because people wanted to travel. Like, yeah, so the whole definitely. reopening story, like they, they obviously didn't have enough resources. But at the same time, like huge demand, presumably. So I know, I know everyone, everyone I know is like going somewhere. I mean, we're in Sydney right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess as long as they can kind of sort of keep up with it. Yeah. They're, they're going to smash it. Yeah. And I think the the prices of flights have got pretty ridiculous as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but the in over in the States, Delta, uh, they just broke, they reported a record profit for the quarter, $14 billion dollars. $700 million profit. But I think the really interesting thing is, you know, these numbers are higher than the same quarter in 2019. So right. COVID wow. happened, everything shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they weren't flying, they were getting bailed out. Then the reopening happens, everyone's traveling, they're losing bags, they're canceling flights. But despite all of the turmoil of the last three years, from a revenue point of view, higher than where they were in 2019. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So I don't know what that tells us about the economy, but thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's just the airline version of Karen's Diner. Have you seen that? You know, where you just get terrible <laughs> service and people somehow enjoy being yelled at and dis and constantly disappointed <laughs> with their service. And I guess maybe so. Yeah. Airlines are just piggybacking off that, going, you know what? This is just the new paradigm for is, us. Is <laughs> there is there a business opportunity in that where you really lean into it and it's Karen's Airline? Karen's yeah, Airline, and it's yeah. like we'll treat you terribly, but it's part of the brand. It's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, finally on the show, uh, a pub in Ireland has a novel approach to dealing with the energy crisis. What's going on there? Yeah, Doyle's Corner Pub in Ireland, in Dublin, mm. uh, announcing a 20% discount on food if you come in and just deal with the cold because they're not putting on the heating. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's quite how they phrased it in their promotional material. <laughs> Deal with the cold. Deal with the cold. 
<laughs> they call it, they call it. <laughs> yeah. You Shut would, up and deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And then bring your coat, they say, bring your coat. We're turning the heat down. Chill with us every Tuesday in October. Bring your coat and get a 20% discount off food. Bring your coat. Brilliant. I wonder mm. if that extends to Udi's. <laughs> Something tells me if you rocked up to a traditional Irish pub wearing an Udi, like a, like a I don't know, like avocado pictures or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't reckon you'd last too long. You wouldn't get the discount, I don't think. You wouldn't last too long in the pub. Part of that story of the big spending is supporting the economy. The Irish mm. government's doing the same. They've got a uh, 1.25 billion euro um, temporary business energy support scheme. Mm. So each business, you can get 10,000 euro a month uh, off your to offset energy bills per business. Right. It's pretty massive. That said, energy prices were up 49% in October. Wow. According to comparison website bonkers.ie. <laughs> Where we get all our macro news from here on the CVE. <laughs> <laughs> it costs a lot for the monthly bonkers subscription, <laughs> but I think you'll agree, totally worth it. Finger on the pulse with that data. So. <laughs> I did see that um, they said a bag of coal has gone up from 16 euro to 33 euro. So right. yeah. a bag of coal. A bag of coal. Who's yeah. buying coal in bags these days? I don't know. Like that, I think someone tweeted it in response to the um, to the Doyle's pub tweet. They're like, yeah, because like a bag of coals at <laughs> this really specific price. <laughs> I, don't yeah. know what, I don't know what that tells us, but yeah. So right. naughty kids this year, I guess, would be hoping for a lump of coal in the, in oh, the yeah. Christmas stocking. <laughs> <laughs> Cash it in. Uh, I, reckon, I reckon they missed a trick too, this, this pub, by telling people to bring their own coat. Because there's, have you heard of the alcohol coat? You know, the coat that you kind of get after, like if they just said, like, we'll give you a free alcohol coat with it with with your 12th whiskey <laughs> like that's what's not bad what's yeah. an alcohol coat? an alcohol coat it's like we've had so much to drink you don't feel the cold anymore ah oh, right right yeah ah. so they could have just that, offered that could that could get confusing though people <laughs> might think they're getting free booze out of it mm. you have to have a very no, clear yeah, disclaimer yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it comes with the, with the purchase of your 12th yeah. whiskey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you get given the yeah. you need to be like money back if you if you can't if you can't remember like if you if you remember being cold when you left we'll give you your money back I don't remember leaving hot air rises so if you're rolling around on the floor that's going to be the, the warmest part of the pub uh, brilliant Alec thank you for joining us on CVE really appreciate it thanks guys it's been a pleasure thanks Alec yeah uh, and if you do like the show or if you got questions for us you can send us an email cve at equitymates.com or go and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. But for us, uh, it's bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.